I have a really great book in front of me. It's called Leadership, the Inner Side of Greatness, a philosophy for leaders by Peter Kostenbaum. Highly recommend this. It was uh, it was part of my required reading in my master's. Uh, I have an MBA, Master of Business Administration, and I went to a Catholic school for that. And so a lot of it, a lot of our learning uh, was more spiritual in nature, which I appreciated. That's one of the reasons why I chose the school uh, that I did. And one of the books we had to read was this one called, again, Leadership, the Inner Side of Greatness, a Philosophy for Leaders. And I'm on page 139, uh, these words by Peter Kostenbaum. And in chapter six, he talks about this idea of courage, which is a big word for me. And I think it probably should be a big word for all of us. And anybody who's a leader, an entrepreneur, someone who started something, somebody who's leading something great, you know it takes courage. I mean, on the macro level, it takes courage to start something, to lead something big, to, to grow in personal mastery so that you can reach uh, higher levels of leadership. You understand that. But it also takes, it takes courage on the micro level, dealing one-on-one with people having the hard conversations that have to be had anytime that we're trying to build something great. There have to be tough conversations. I was reading, um, or in, in class the other day, um, I teach at Point Loma, uh, Nazarene University, and we start our, our, our classes off with the leadership re- reflection moment. And in this certain one, we talked about this idea of focus. We, you know, I show these videos of, of some of the people that I respect. And, and one of those, one of those people is this, uh, 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 Steve Jobs, and he has this great video that you can find on YouTube where he talks about this idea of focus. And then I showed another video right after that, a three-minute video of Johnny Ives, who was his one of his chief designers, I believe, uh, who worked for him for many years up until his death and, and even past his death and, and retired a couple of years ago from Apple, um, talking about what it was to work with Steve Jobs and this idea of focus. And he said, it's this relentless every single day when you have a hundred great ideas that come across to you to say, uh, what is it that we are supposed to be doing and saying no to absolutely everything else. That's, that takes courage in itself. And, and, and he talked about on the micro level, it means that the work is above anything else. The work is above my feelings. The work is above your feelings. The work is above the emotions of the people. The work, we hold the work up as the highest thing. The highest value is the work, the excellence, right? For the end user, for the customer. And so he was telling a story about how um, he, he, was, he, he was a little nicer to his people uh, Johnny was than maybe Steve Jobs would have been. And Steve Jobs, uh, you know, called him on the carpet for it, said, why are you, you know, this is such a big issue. Why are you treating it like this? And he said, you know, I, I, you know, you know, you don't, you know, you don't need to be, you know, we don't need to be this upset about it. Or we don't, you know, we don't need to tell them in this kind of a way. And, you know, I, you know, I really care about my people is what he was saying. I really care about them. And, I, he, and he said, no, you don't. He said, no, no, no. What you are is really vain you care about being liked. So the reason why you're not calling your people on maybe their crappy work that needs to be done better is because you want people to like you more than you care about the end user experience. That's powerful. It takes courage 
and I would say a lot of deep work and personal mastery and all that to be a person that says, I'm not doing this because I'm liked. I'm doing this because this is the right thing. I value the work that we do. I value the end user experience, that that's the goal. That's the high school. That takes courage. So this idea of courage is really big for those of us who call ourselves leaders and and courage starts on the inside. It's shown in what happens on the outside. You know, I think about battle. I think about going to war. I was in the military. I I never went into combat, combat, but I think about the people who've gone into combat and their courage shows through. Black Hawk Down is one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's based on real life. It's based on a real story. And, you know, to see commanders, and I think there's a scene in that movie, I believe it was that movie where the commander, the colonel, and I forget his name, but he stands up and he, he walks, um, and, and there's bombs flying off around him, there's bullets flying, and he's just walking and he's taking care of business. I need to watch that movie again. There was another movie I watched, or it was a series on HBO uh, band of brothers, incredible. And there's this great scene where this lieutenant, uh, there's something that has to be done across the way. There's open fire all the way across the field. The only way to get to the other side is you've got it. You just have to run. There's no way to go around. And he takes off, not low crawling, not not hiding and you know stopping, starting, stopping, starting, trying to hide. He just takes off in this open field in in the midst of a haze of bullets, and he makes it all the way to the other side. There's something about courage but it's really hard. So let's read a little bit. I want to read a little bit and then uh, we'll just kind of talk through this. I have some highlighted portions here. To be courageous is to be prepared for the isolation of leadership. That's powerful. And anyone who's been in leadership for a while, if you've done it right, you know, it's isolating. It's lonely. It's hard. And I know that there would be people out there who would disagree with that and say, no, it's not. If you're, you know, if you're a leader and you're lonely, you're doing it wrong. I disagree with that. Now, Hopefully you have a great family, a great spouse, partner, somebody that you can, you know, come home to, I guess to say, or friends that you can call on and say, hey, I, you know, I've got this issue that I need to talk through or a mentor or someone that you can be close to. And, and I think that's what this, I'm, I'm thinking of someone in particular, John Maxwell, who's, who I completely respect, but I've heard him say before, if you're alone in leadership, you're doing it wrong. And I would disagree with that. I, I've, I've had leadership roles and teaching roles, and they're always lonely. You can't, you're looking at the people that you're leading and they get to have fun that you really can't have. And they get to do things that you can't do as a team because you've got to keep that boundary between you and them. And so there is an isolation of leadership and it's the, and and I have been there. So I'm not speaking out of a position of judgment. I've been there before where I've lowered that, that level. And I will tell you that the team's in moments when I've lowered the level and said, I don't want to be isolated anymore. I want to be a part of them. Whenever I've lowered that boundary is what we should call it, a boundary. Uh, it always takes months to, re- you know, to get that boundary back up and to be able to lead the team. Uh, there's something about that boundary that's very important. So there is an isolation of leadership and courage means that you're facing that and understanding. I have to stand apart as much as I don't want to. The writing goes on, thus to be a self-starter is to be autonomous, to have given up the helplessness and dependency that are often fostered by the presumptive security of larger organizations. So he's kind of talking here about the entrepreneur, right? You know, to go out on your own, to start something, uh, 
there, there's something about working for a large organization that is just beautiful. It's nice that that paycheck that comes in every single week, that that's a wonderful place to be. But to go out and to be isolated, to start something on your own, that's scary. That's hard. You know, some of you have done that before and you know how hard that can be. And, and, and anxiety inducing constantly living in the unknown. He goes on, autonomy is the ability to live in isolation and be comfortable with the feeling of aloneness. For the person who cherishes intimacy, isolation is as painful. And, and, and let me say this, at some point or another, we all cherish intimacy. We all want it. You may be more of an introvert. You may not need to be around people 24-7, but we all want somebody in our life to provide that intimacy for us. So we all, well, we all cherish that. We all value that. And for the person who cherishes it, isolation is as painful as it is fundamental to integrity because intimacy without the courage to stand up for one's rights is empty uh, servitude. Intimacy is a virtue when it is given freely by an autonomous soul. Autonomy is not an infrequent concern in oracle questions. The bigger questions is, is what it's saying. How does one develop into one's own person after a lifetime of being totally compliant, just wanting to be loved and concerned with what others think? That is such a great question. I'm going to read that one more time. How does one develop into being one's own person, self-reliant, understanding that uh, the answer can be found within yourself with deep reflection and hard work and journaling and processing? How does one develop into being one's own person after a lifetime of being totally compliant? just wanting to be loved, concerned with what others think. I I shared this in a prior podcast. One of the greatest dangers, I believe, and, and it is the fundamental foundation for all sins of leadership. And when I say sins, it means that you've put yourself above your team. You've put yourself above the mission. And in every circumstance, at some point in time, you get found out and normally you lose your position of leadership. At the core of it is that wanting to be loved and being concerned what other people think. There's a, and I believe this, especially if our, our early years weren't great. You know, we didn't have a great mom, a great dad that filled us up with confidence and love. And so that we could take on the world and, and, and just embrace what, what the world has for us. If we lacked that, then there's a hole inside of us. And so what do we do? We get in a position of leadership and, 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 and if we're unaware about that hole, because here's what I believe, and this is probably a whole nother podcast. If we have those, what I've heard a pastor call one time, father wounds or mother wounds, and we've got a whole, it will last for a lifetime. And, and you can get therapy and you can get counseling, you can get healing, but you'll always have that. So if you take that hole and you don't recognize it and try to get it filled up in healthy ways, that means find a great partner, find a great spouse. Uh, and I'm not a not that it's their job to fill that hole for you. That's, again, another whole podcast. Uh, uh, find activities that we do. Find ways that we can climb mountains, so to speak, so that we can overcome some of this inside of us. If we don't do that, then we end up taking that neediness out on our team. And I've seen it time and time again. Time and time again. People walk into organizations. They walk on the teams. And because of their lack of wholeness, they're needy people. And in the end, they, and I've been there before and I've lost jobs and positions because of it and, and nothing scandalous, nothing, but over time that needing, you know, neediness is just one of the worst things. 
you know, those of you who are in the dating world, you understand this, you know, needy people are some of the, you know, worst people to be around, right? Because they, they just take and they don't mean to, and they're not trying to hurt you, but they have this hole within themselves that can't be filled up. And so as a leader, we've got to be on this personal mastery journey so that we can be working on filling up those those empty spaces within our own lives. That's really good. Empty spaces. I may have to may have to write a blog post about that. So let's go on here. He says this, to have courage is to think for oneself. It is to reason independently when assaulted with conflicted opinions. It is to have clear and firm values of which you are proud and which support you under stress. That's courage. It's not having to ask everybody what you should do. I know in my younger years, when I was younger, anytime I had to make a decision, I'd have to call 5, 10, 15 people. Tell me what I should do. Tell me what you think. Tell me. We, now, I think we should always get wise counsel. That's really important to sit down with people who've been there, who've done that, people we trust, people who are going to tell us the truth. And I think that's really important to do that. But if we're not careful and we constantly are just asking people's opinion, that shows a lack of courage. It's, it's, it's lacking the ability to, to think for yourself. And that's hard to do. It's really hard to do. And I know that there are people who would listen to this who are my Christian friends, and they would say, hey, you're wrong. You know, this is where religion comes in. This is where your relationship with God comes in. You pray, and then you get the answer. And yes, you know, I'm not going to debate that with anybody. But I think sometimes that, too, can lead us to a weaker stance than saying, okay, I have the tools within me. And, and before I consult anybody, let me go deep inside, which is really hard to do, by the way. Really hard to do. Because what's inside can be scary sometimes. But courage means that we face the inside and we go deep on ourselves and we think for ourselves. And it also means that we know what our values are. We know what our principles are. And they can help support us under stress. Let's go a little deeper. Peter says this. Peter Kostenbaum, the author, says this. To think for yourself means that you are steadfast in turmoil, in chaos, under stress, in doubt, in anxiety and guilt, uh, uh, guilt, in depression and anger, under assault and abandonment, in change, and in, in ambiguity, in uncertainty. You are a fortress under siege, a ship in a storm with experienced and calm commanders. I love that. You are a fortress under siege, a ship in a storm with experienced and calm commanders. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's courage. And at, and at one of the cornerstones of courage is this ability to think for yourself, to be steadfast. And, and, and how do we do that? Well, we have principles and values that, that, that we hold to. And for some people, for many people, it's their faith. And if they're deep in their faith and they're serious about their faith, they've learned the principles of that faith, whatever it may be, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, you know, Catholicism, whatever it is, you, rely, you, know, you, uh, you know, the Jewish faith, you rely on the fundamentals of your faith to hold you. But I would say go even deeper than that. 
I would say this to every leader out there, and I'm actually writing mine up right now. I went out to to the bay and I kayaked around and I took out um, the, this little booklet I have. It's, it's my little blue journal. And I took it out and I was writing down, what are my principles? Because here's what I believe. Uh, principles are foundational. There's that great saying, and I think it was Gandhi who said, um, you're, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get this wrong. I don't have it sitting in front of me right now. Your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. I believe it says like, and it, and it all starts our belief systems. How do they start? Well, they start with the principles that were taught from an early age. If you grew up in a um, home that valued Islam, that, that flavor of religion, your values and your principles, let me say your principles will be based on that. Principles are unchanging truths and foundation. They lead all the way down to your values. Your values are the actions that you have, right? You know, your values, uh, somebody should be able to look at you and say, I know what this person's values are because I see what their actions are. That's what values are. Okay. So when you want to know what your values are or what somebody else's values are, you, you, you understand that based on, uh, based on how, uh, how should I put this? You understand what their values are based on how they act, but it all starts all the way back with this idea of principles. What are your principles? And once you know what those are, you're able to think for yourself. You don't have to go around asking a bunch of people what you should do, right? You can live in the isolation. So, so let me ask you a question as we wrap this up today. Are you prepared for the isolation of leadership? Are you truthfully? Do you really have the courage to think for yourself? And here's how you know, the next time you have a decision to make, do everything you can to make that decision on your own without calling 15,000 people. Try it. Do, and now this happens when you have principles that you know, that you've owned for yourself. This is how I see the world. This is what is true. This is what is right. And when you can do that, that's kind of where this idea of thinking for yourself comes from. Are you steadfast in turmoil and chaos? All of these are signs of what it means to be a courageous leader. I wish you all the best on your journey to being a courageous leader.